we're gonna keep it. This episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast is brought to you in partnership with Cold Candy. Cold Candy, K-O-L-D-K-A-N-D-I, is a hip-hop group stationed out of Decatur, Illinois. I'm friends with one of the rap group members. He's a student here at UIS as well. And I'll tell you, they are proud supporters of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. And it's a great group to listen to, especially if you want to listen to some up-and-comers in the hip-hop industry. I will tell you, they have just released their new EP, Sweet Tooth, this year. It's available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Play Music, Deezer, and iHeartRadio, just to name a few of the places that you could listen to it. I'd recommend it, especially if you want to listen to something fresh. And now, after this, on to the episode. It is party time in the USA, Jordan. Oh! Like, to be honest, this was pretty impromptu. I asked you last night, and you said yes this morning. So I'm pretty happy with that. I'm excited. Uh, This is the second podcast in two weeks, so I'm doing pretty good on the record. But this one I've been looking forward to for a while. This has been on the works for probably about a year, (laughs) it feels like. But I'm very excited to introduce this guest. He's a good friend of mine, somebody I trust and I go to whenever I have problems. He's a great man. His name is Jordan Matthews. We're going to get to know a little bit about him today, and I think it's going to be a good time. So tell me, Jordan, how you feel? You know, I've never done one of these before. So happy, excited, kind of nervous. But, you know, I'm ready, and it's going to be fun. I think so. And I, I don't know. It's kind of cool to be on this side. And now on the other side with my headphones listening. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get a little bit of background about you. You are from Elgin, correct? That would be the biggest city to recognize me by. Okay. Yes. All right. So what was it like? You're from the north, correct? Yeah, northwest suburbs. Um, very small town. No more than 8,000 people. Really? Uh, yeah. High school, graduating class was like 614 kids. Um, which is bigger than most people when you talk to people here at UIS and their mm-hmm. schools. Um, you know, we still had sports. I was a very active child with sports, did cheer for 13 plus years, soccer for seven plus years, Dang. basketball for three, tennis for two, track for four, and then on top of all of that, I believe those are all the sports, yeah. And then on top of all of that, I also did musicals throughout my entire life. Okay, that's a, that's a lot. Yeah, I was very active and busy all the time. Did you say volleyball in that? Uh, no, I actually never played on a team for volleyball. But you play my, now? Kind of. My passion for volleyball was more like, it was a fun sport to play on my free time, never like to be committed to it. But if I was to play on a club team as I did get myself into in college now mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have minded sometimes when I do play here in college I do wish that I found a league because our school did not have men's volleyball um, or made a men's volleyball team at our high school but it is what it is and as you saw I was already busy with other sports so mm-hmm. one was probably going to have to go but having volleyballs I used to go play open gym volleyball with my volleyball friends um, pretty much every other Friday in Elgin. Okay. So. Fair enough. So you came to UIS. 
I'm going to ask you a few like basic things just because not everybody that's listening is going to know you. Right. Um, whenever you came to college, did you know that you just wanted to come to college when you were in high school? Did you think about going to vocational school? Did you think about not going to any school at all after high school? So in my family, it was kind of raised as the standard norm that you're going to college. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up with a saying, don't knock it before you try it. Don't say you don't like it if you haven't tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that was a food that we haven't tasted yet, or even college. Um, my brother, older brother, um, went to Rockford University for one year. Didn't work out for him. College wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. And now he just he works and makes money. Um, me, I knew I wanted to go to college probably since fifth grade. I had started having aspirations to be. Um, an occupational therapist and mm-hmm. found my dream college of Ohio State. Um, so I followed that kind of route until about eighth grade. And then I was like, mm, occupational therapy would probably make me upset because my patience level would probably not be suited for it. But I was like, I want to do something that I'm really good at. And I realized that I'm really good at talking to people and helping mm-hmm. out people and that I really enjoy that. And so I was like, a psychologist. I took AP Psych in my high school years, really fell in love with it, um, and then came to UIS for it. But I never thought about, I never like took an electricity class. Um, I did take a woods class mm-hmm. for three and a half years in high school. But I think I only did it because I liked the outcomes that I was able to bring home, like a nightstand mm-hmm. table. I made a foldable ping pong table. That's pretty um, cool. So that's nice. That's like an anchor hide and we play on it for family events. Yeah. But yeah, that I don't know, it's either go to college or stay home, make something of yourself and pay rent. I gotcha. So with the whole psychology thing you decided that you were interested in it and you wanted to pursue it when you were a senior in high school? I would say psychology became the main focus sophomore year. Sophomore year. Okay. Sophomore year is when I probably took a lot of interest in it. Um, and then junior year is when I took AP Psych mm-hmm. and was just like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Did you like get any criticism from your family or anything like that? Um, some think I should be a politician um, just because I'm really good at finding loopholes and laws and rewording, not rewording things, but taking things from a subjective point mm-hmm. and making people feel like, oh, maybe that is a different way to see things. Um, so there's some like, well, maybe you should go into politics. But other than that, no, um, I'm a first-generation student, um, so I kind of, as I self-advocate for myself and people in my family were like, well, why don't you do this? Like, psychology is a lot of mental work and <laughs> can bring you down and all this other stuff. And kind of like, not to be mean, but my backbone is like, well, you haven't experienced the stress psychology gives you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they are kind of like in a place where they can't really talk much. But they are looking out for me, which I do appreciate. Um, but being a first-generation student, I have to do everything by myself. Yeah. Um, same as my older brother. My older brother and I went two different routes. Um, like, he had someone helping him pay for his college. 
but then since he dropped out, kind of messed up like my mom's credit score, so she couldn't co-sign or anything. Oh, so I'm doing everything by myself. Um, well, pardon me. And so everything's like just on me and my tabs. Um, so it's a it's a big difference between me and my brother, and academic, financial rise. Mm-hmm. Um, but UIS is. I'm, it's great for psychology, um, and I think what got me was um, Aaron Betcher, a counselor here mm-hmm. um, at UIS. He talked to me about that there's a internship that you can go to the state prison and shadow their psychologist. Um, you can even do the juvenile, and since my um, passion of line of work is with adolescents with mental illness, okay. um, I kind of want to do the juvenile center. Cause I think that would be amazing. Yeah. So that's what you're interested in. Yeah, and I hopefully I do get that internship junior or senior year to see how it goes. Okay. So whenever you decided that you were gonna do psychology and want to become a psychologist, like being a psychologist, would that mean you'd also do like the role of being a therapist as well? Or would it just be like you study and try to figure things out? So there is two different ways of psychology. Like you can do the research side, mm-hmm. which is like figuring things out. Or you can do the therapy side. Um, however, a lot of psychologists do both. Yeah. Um, as they're taking in patients and helping them out, whether it's therapy sessions or having a longitudinal study, which is like having like watching them from their young ages until they become like 30 plus years old and mm-hmm. making a study out of that. Um, they're also doing research. Um, I do want to do some type of research, probably that ties into my music minor. Um, That'd be interesting. But, yeah. So I don't know exactly what that's absolutely waiting for me to get my degrees first, but mm-hmm. um, I think it is, music is a big role, but I do want to do both, but I definitely want to start out doing like the therapy side. Okay. I, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of criticism, I initially was interested in psychology and then I became political science and then I realized that I don't like politics that much than I did communications. Um, criticism that I got for being interested in psychology, one was like some people said it was easy, which I don't necessarily believe. They said that there's a lot of people that major in psychology just because they don't know what they want to do. I don't think that's your case because it sounds like you've had an interest in it in a long time. But do you think there's any like validity to what people say whenever it comes to that? I think psychology is just very well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, psychology is the study of an individual actions to the environment and behavior. And so to have that as like your background mm-hmm. can help a lot of companies out in psychology when you go into your masters you get to concentrate in so many different things it can be educational psychology positive psychology um, cognitive psychology which deals with your brain um, marketing psychology which mm-hmm. is, you can help so many businesses um, there's so many things you can do with psychology so for people to say that it's easy I think they think it's easy because that's their passion. Yeah. And when you're passionate about something, it's not really called work. 
it's like it is work but it's not tedious to you mm -hmm. because you're like this is fascinating to me I want to keep on learning more and more and always stay curious because when it's, the minute you don't stay curious you're not going to want to pursue anything and then you're just doing it and that's when work becomes like a chore mm -hmm. and not like a home but um, I think psychology is a major that people can grab and then go and do a lot of things with. So with that, when you're a math major, you can't go and work at a hospital. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when you're a psych major, you can work at a school, a hospital, a business, anything practically. So instead of being undecided, you might as well, I feel like, go into a major that is well-rounded. You can still pick and choose wherever you want to go with mm -hmm. um, when you, after you do get your bachelor's. Like I said, I, the easy part, that's subjective. I think it's fairly moderate. Yeah. Um, there are classes that I'm like forced to take for my subject. Um, for instance, research and methods teaches me how to properly do research um, and write papers and get it edited and stuff like that. Not really much I want to learn right now. But I have to go through it. So like that, I would probably say like I don't want to do anything for that class. Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, I have to get a good grade because that is my major. But my abnormal psychology class, like, that's focused on mental illness, which is my burning passion. So me reading the book, me doing that assignment is not work. It's like me just willing to do it. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I probably was reading articles and coming up with so many questions by myself before I even started the class. Really? Because, and... I'm, I'm a big advocate for the educational system, and I look at it from a psychology view, and it's like, whose fault is for the educational gap? Is it because of the educational board, or is it because students are not taking initiative on teaching themselves? Yeah. And that's a big thing that becomes, there's like motivational psychology put into that, educational psych, humanistic views, so many things you can do with psychology, like I said. It's just fascinating and well-rounded. All right. Just to like bounce off of what you just said, whenever you say the educational gap, are you talking about, I'm not really sure what you mean. Is it the idea of like students that are doing well and students that aren't, like the gap between those? Or what do you mean by educational so gap? So educational gap um, is referred to the separation due to quote unquote smarter kids okay. versus not smart kids. Um, usually starts off in about first, second grade, mm -hmm. um, and that's even based off of impressions. And unfortunately, usually POCs, people of color, mm -hmm. um, are not in the higher classes. Mm -hmm. And so they're never looked at to be smart. They're never given the chances to be smart because the educational system gives teachers when they become a teacher, they don't have credibility behind them. Yeah. So they give them the lower classes to see what they can do with them and base them off their test scores. But that's not fair. Because if anything, the best teachers should see if they can do their job properly to bring these kids up mm -hmm. to speed. But it's like our, the educational gap is just between who is making these kids smarter and why do the lower people not get that chance as or the same chances or opportunities as the higher people. And I think I'm so, are so interested about it because 
I was affected by it. Yeah. Um, I got separated in second grade, and I was in the lower class. Um, went through it all the way until fifth grade. Um, knew I was in the lower class constantly, but it, the classes were so easy. And I would never come home with homework. I would always do it in class right away because it was never hard to me. And then fifth grade, we had to do like this, Read 180 was the program. And you had to take this Lexile test online, and I scored out of my t- class. Uh-huh. And me and this girl got the two highest scores, um, and we were both reading at a ninth grade level in fifth grade. Wow! But they didn't—they just took her out and put her in a different reading class, in the higher reading class, and they made me retake my test. Because they thought you cheated. Right. Wow. And she, my friend, was white. And that's when I like told my mom about it. So I had to retake the test. Um, I did not take the test the same way, in the sense of I didn't want to leave my fifth grade class because everybody in my fifth grade class was practically everyone in my fourth grade class, including my teacher. So I already had this comfort zone mm-hmm. that I didn't want to leave and I didn't want to be separated from that. And especially as like a little child, I was like, I'm not ready to leave y'all, mm-hmm. kind of in that sense. So I finished the test. Something that is usually about an hour, hour and a half, finished it in about 10 minutes because I was just clicking. And I still tested out of it. Um, So they removed me, but it was very like, I was in the room as the educators were talking about it and they were just very skeptical on if I could be successful. And it was the same thing for the math and science portion. I was testing out of it too. Um, And got to eighth grade, and they asked me if I wanted to be in geometry, which is one whole year ahead. And I was like, yeah, algebra is easy. Mm-hmm. Took this algebra test. Um, that I was in pre-algebra, so I had to take an algebra test yeah. um, and got a high B on it. And they were like, mm, we don't think you're ready. So I was like, okay. So I, I was, I guess, like held back wasn't held back I just stayed with my class but the same girl that I grew up with who got the same Lexile score with me me and her got asked the same question we were the only two people in that room and she got a C and she got moved to geometry wow and so it was very like frustrating that I was still being put in this box um you think it's because of your race and I do think it's because of my race unfortunately um so but then in high school I was the only, and if not all, I would definitely say about 90% of all my AP and honor classes, which are the only two classes I've ever taken, um, I was like the only colored person. Really? I was in classes just filled with white people. And that's when my passion's like, am I here because I'm fighting to be here? Mm-hmm. Or am I here because there's teachers also like on the side rooting for me uh-huh. because if let me ask you this have you ever had a colored teacher until you got to college until i got i don't even think i have one now mm, not me personally yeah okay my only color teacher was my woods teacher really and he didn't he wasn't even he didn't even really go to school to be a wood person he was in electrics and plumbing which stereotypically um, he was Mexican, which oh. is stereotypically, yeah. people would say that's like their line of work is like landscaping and stuff, and that right. they know how to be like this handyman person. Mm-hmm. And so, 
like when I got asked that question in my AP Psych class, um, if I've ever had a color teacher, and if so, what were they teaching you? It was just very fascinating that we're even in the educational gap, their jobs are based off of their color as well. And that's also holding back the educational gap from growing and closing up. Mm-hmm. That was, that's, that is interesting. I, like, I did like the idea whenever you're talking about like teachers that are good teaching the high classes or not good necessarily but like they are in the school system as being able to teach them why don't they teach classes that might be struggling more to see if they can bring them up I thought that was a very good point and that makes sense I, I thought that was actually very interesting it just blows my mind that there's others out there that don't think that way really? yeah do you talk to people that think um, I think the only person I've actually sat down and had a conversation with, and I believe her name is Morgan or Maggie. <laughs> it's an M. Um, yes, one of those. Uh, was actually here in college, um, actually last semester, and her line of work is closing the educational gap right. here at college. Yeah. Okay. So she's that's what she's been. That's what she studied. That's what she's trying to do in her life. Um, and if I didn't go to a workshop from NCBI, which is the National Coalition Builders Institute, uh-huh. um, and their job is to uh, reduce um, prejudice and biasness in the world. Um, if I didn't go to that workshop and meet her, I don't think I would have talked to anybody mm-hmm. um, about it. I've wrote and written so many page- papers since junior year about the educational gap. Mm-hmm. And my teachers, always, like, I've always got high A's, if not 100%. Even my English 102 class, all my papers are about the educational gap. Really? Yes. Always an A. <laughs> but nobody sat down, they just say, excellent, like, this is unbelievable. But nobody sits down and talks about it. Mm-hmm. If no one's talking about it, nothing's going to get done. Exactly. That is, yeah. You got a big brain up there, Jordan. Something like that. I think. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go back to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier. You said that from a young age that you knew you were good at talking to people and the people around you agree. When did you start to figure that out for yourself, you think? I know this may sound cheesy That's okay. and uncredible, but I would probably say around fifth grade when... You have little boys, little girls getting interested in each other, mm. and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, I like Johnny. Oh my god, I like Tina. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. I just somehow people confided in me and trusted me and asked for my advice, and I was like, okay. Or I even like in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade was known as like the Cupid. And I would get people together. What a man. <laughs> and I never saw myself like that. I was like, I just told you to do this. Like, I don't know. Um, I think that comes from knowledge and seeing things for myself and experiencing certain things. Um, but it definitely started around like probably fifth grade when people started developing these obviously not serious feelings. Ah, fifth because I don't think anybody dating in fifth grade is a real thing with the dating that you probably do when you hit like, probably like 18-ish. But 
yeah, and I would say around that age, and that's how it came to be. And I've been doing it ever since. Still to this day, a lot of high school friends text me and be like, I have these boy problems, I have these family issues, mm. I'm going through this um, by myself, and I need to let this out. Um, and like, I've done a lot of research in my hometown to help them out, or where they're at. Like, here are some numbers to these places, you should probably call them. Here's a hotline number, mm-hmm. see if you can get help this way. Um, check your school counseling center, see if they have anything out for the open um, that can help you around the city. Um, so yeah, I'm still doing the same things that I've been doing since fifth grade. And it might be like adding on to my plate on everything I do right now. But I would drop everything I'm doing now to help anybody out. I respect that. So the fact that you've been doing this stuff since like such a young age, I'd imagine you think that's influenced you to do what you want to do in the future as being a psychologist? Oh, most definitely. Um, some people as psychology label shrinks, <laughs> which is beyond my mental capacity. But... Um, It was also like brought to me at one point in my life that why would we pay someone to sit down and talk about talk about things for another person when that psychologist probably doesn't even care at the end of the day and like that like really hit me because it's like whoa that's not it I actually do care about you and I care about probably everyone I do talk to whether if I barely knew them or not um and I think it's just people who are psychologists are just have this genuine passion to help others. Mm-hmm. And I take joy in getting to know people. And I would say the people I'm more attracted to, not in the sense of like being romantically or sexually attracted to, but like people I'm interested in and love being friends with mm-hmm. are ones that are broken inside put on this perfect glass on the outside for people to see and when I I want to say confront them but when I start picking at them and they realize that I know what I'm doing they're like wait you know I'm broken inside and I have to explain to them like it's very easy like I watch it I like unconsciously watches people's daily routines Mm -hmm. and for some reason like the minute something seems off my body is easily notified that this is off and you should probably ask. Because you can save a lot of lives just by asking, hey, what's up, what's going on? Because mm-hmm. um, that's all people are looking for is just someone to sit down and listen. A lot of people don't even want you to respond back. They just feel good just to get it off their chest because you're going through it by themselves. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I think it's impressive that you can be so open with yourself and you can be open with others. And, like, I don't want to say that you're blunt, but you're very upfront about <laughs> what you think or how you feel at times. Have, has that always been the case, or has it been like you, whenever you said, like, back in fifth grade and going forward, you just told people what you thought? And you do that now with me, or your, I imagine your other friends and the other people in your mm-hmm. life, too. You're very you don't necessarily beat around the bush you're just like here you go yeah. <laughs> um i would i really don't know when 
it came to be, if I, if I was always like that or not, but I was like, in my childhood years, things I feel like were sugarcoated, mm-hmm. um, where I would still get yelled at for doing something because I took it in a different way. But if I got yelled at about like exactly what they wanted to happen, mm-hmm. then I understood. Rather than saying, oh, maybe you shouldn't do this and then just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like, what did I do wrong then? Like, is it me taking someone's crayon or is it because I didn't ask to take the crayon? Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. There's, there's so many ways you can go about things, but like, for instance, like I got, I tripped over a Xbox cord when I went to go plug in the Christmas tree when I was like five. Mm-hmm. And my dad took the Xbox cord I tripped out of because he was in, he was in the middle of a game and it hit me with it. Oh. And there was like no explanation really towards it, but it's like I had to understand what I did even though there was really nothing to it. Like, there was, I didn't do anything bad, I just tripped, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think when people are blunt, they get what they want. Um, like, if I was to tell you to do this in the most stern way on exactly how I want it, I'm pretty sure you're gonna do it on how I said it. Mm-hmm. And I think that how, that's how advice should be given. Because if I beat around the bush and I sugarcoat something, you're gonna, you can see it in a different way than I'm intending it to see it. Mm-hmm. And then you might not get the outcome on what I wanted you to get the outcome because you did it a different way than yeah. what I was thinking of. Okay. And that's like, why would I want anybody to re-go through something and not get the outcome I wanted them to get the outcome with? So I might as well just tell you in all truth and honesty, I would rather have someone be mad at me but have them take the advice I already gave them, then be friends and then have a little like white lie in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just take the heat. And then if you can't take it, I'm sorry, but that's who I am. And if you don't want advice or anything from me, like then I'm, I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> that's understandable. So it's just like, the idea of having miscommunication that's unnecessary, that's the part that you don't like. Yes. I see. Exactly that. I can understand that. Okay. So I'll go back to the psychology thing for a little bit here because I am still interested in Like, do you think you're going to go to graduate school, I'm guessing? This is the Most next definitely. step. Are you going to stay around Springfield, do you think? Yes, that is... Yes. For my grad program? Mm-hmm. Correct, yes. I will be here all right and compared to being back home to springfield do you prefer being in springfield now or do you miss home or do you would you rather have gone somewhere else you think so if i'm being totally honest um (laughs) i'm only in springfield because of the money that's half of this campus fair enough um i applied to ohio state michigan state and Excuse me, University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Got okay. accepted to all, and as I said, like Ohio State's dream college, mm-hmm. still is. Um, but realistically, you have to look at it financially, and that part kind of sucks. Is when you come to that realization. Um, so if I was given money, I never had to pay back, I would go to Ohio State in a heartbeat. Um, right now, still. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think my personality is very big. I agree. <laughs> and I, w- I was always kind of a popular kid, but not by choice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that kind of sucks because then you're always being watched and looked at. Because the minute you mess up or do something wrong, that they're on you. Mm-hmm. And you get judged immediately and you can't do anything. And it kind of just sucked. And it's kind of like you live a life in a fishbowl. And I have always grew up like that. I was always like this outgoing kid. Like, been doing cheer since first grade. Even that is, like, I literally asked to be bullied, like, a, a male to be part of a True. dominantly, yeah. you know, female sport. Um, well, I just grew up, but everybody knew me because I was doing, I guess, abnormal things or things that were not socially accepted. Um, so I just somehow always was popular. And I became popular here at UIS, even though I tried my best not to. <laughs> but that, you know, freshman year, that drag show came. Anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But for my grad program, with the psychology batch, bachelor's, you can't do anything. You can't do anything in the psych field. Mm-hmm. You can't get not one job. You have to at least have your master's. So financially, I'm looking at UIS. But... If there is like a like a GA type of position that we have here at UIS where it like pays for your schooling, mm-hmm. um, all you have to do is pay for like housing, I would go to Ohio State if they have that. Um, only because I do want to experience like a Big Ten college or just a very big school that is outgoing, has pride in their school. Mm-hmm. Like we have pride, we take a lot of pride in the stars, but there's only like what 200 people in our stands at basketball games I want like 10 like I want to like go all out and be like painting my body tailgating I want that experience because that's my personality and not saying that UIS is not fulfilling that it's just it is small and I want to branch out and I just feel like everybody here knows so much about one another yeah and they don't necessarily actually know the person because people just talk and that's just in human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like I know everybody's grandmas too. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, and then from back at home, I do miss home a lot. I miss home every day. I haven't been home. Actually, I did go home in January 4th for like two days because my niece was born. That was the only reason why I went home. Mm-hmm. But um, I really don't go home because, like, my grandma is an alcoholic. On the same side as her being an alcoholic, she has, like, stents in because she's had a heart attack before. And she's supposed to be taking these thyroid pills because her thyroid is messed up. So basically, long story short, she's killing herself. But she doesn't listen to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you say you need help this whole rampage happens and she's a compulsive liar and so like and she lives with us and like that's like a lot of stress that I don't need because I need to focus on school Mm -hmm. um so like I just would rather not be home but I do miss home a lot um I talk to my mom every day FaceTime her every single day 
Um, I talk to my brothers a lot, friends from back home quite frequently as well. Mm-hmm. But when it's like someone you adore so much and you're watching them throw their life away, just it's hard. Yeah. And so I like as I know some people say, well, maybe you should be there for her. But it's like, I can't be there if I can't keep myself up. Mm-hmm. And like, if I do be there for her, how am I going to put the same effort into the school and still like take care of my body? Because mm-hmm. I am a big person on self-care and self-love. I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because if you can't love or take care of yourself, how do you take care of anything else? Um, because... If you give every effort you put into yourself to somebody else, you're not going to be there for them. And that person is not going to have a caregiver. And that's why it kind of sounds like a lot of caregivers don't take care of themselves because they're putting all their time and effort into others. Mm-hmm. And then once they pass away, that it's like the person who was being cared for is doesn't have a caregiver, you know? And most caregivers are usually family related unless they're in like a nursing home or something but I don't I think my me pursuing my education and being successful is a little bit higher in my motives than going home and struggling with a lot of stress that I don't need um and like I'm trying to get like my family out of there Mm -hmm. because like my mom is not happy being with her and watching the same thing like She's literally watching her own mom die. Um, and my mom suffers from depression. Um, my little brother suffers from depression and ADHD. Um, my brother, older brother had went through the same thing with my grandma. Got into a really big argument and got kicked out of the house. Wow. So he lives, he's not being successful though. Um, lives in his own place with his daughter, um, with his girlfriend. And then his girlfriend has another daughter. So there's four people in the house living magnificently, living their best life. All good. So, yeah, just back home is not the mental space I need to be in. I got you. But it sounds like family is pretty important to you. Oh yeah, most definitely. And I would drop everything. Like my niece, that was, I would not have missed that. I went home, I got home at night, was born the next day, and I left the morning after. (laughs) So that's all I did. I could not miss that birth of that niece because I would have felt bad. Like, that's like, that's something I'm not, never going to see again. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was also a sight to see. Were you <laughs> in the room? I was. Oh, mom. <laughs> that's a lot going on. Um, yes. My brother started crying and I thought that was cute. And I don't know. And now I'm an uncle, which is like a label. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, this is all brand new to me. Well, that's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question. Whenever you said, like, you want to try to get your family out of there, do you plan on having to support your family financially or in any other way once, like, you can? Like, is that what you meant? Whenever you said get your family out of there? I think not financially because I'm not saying they're financially in good standing because they're really not. Mm-hmm. Um, but they definitely could if they wanted to move yeah but my mom holds a really high pedestal to herself just like i do um she can't leave her mom Mm -hmm. 
no matter how much is going on, she just can't do it. Um, and that's why she pushes us out the house, like, go be something. But I want to get them out in the sense of, like, of that mental space. Whether it's helping my grandma get better, or it's helping my mom cope with it, and my brother cope with it. Um, it's like, what can I do on my side to help them to feel, to, to want to be home? Mm-hmm. Like, I know my brother and my mom both try to do everything they can outside so they don't have to be home with her. Um, especially on the weekends when she does drink and it does suck um, that my mom is going through that in her own house where she should be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does hurt knowing Matt each and every day she's going through this. and She just has, like, this anger in her all the time. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn her out someday. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I can just sense like something bad is going to happen. Either another person's going to get thrown out or somebody's leaving someone and that person is not going to be able to help one another out. And it's just going to ruin the family. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to prevent that. I got you. Do you think she'll listen to this podcast? I don't know. I mean... Are you going to tell her about it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, at least my mom, my grandma, she might listen to it for a little bit, but the minute she starts hearing what I say, she's going to get mad, angry, and go on this big rant, and that's why nobody, everybody just stops and doesn't say anything no more because they don't want to deal with it. And that's why I, I don't want to say anything because I'm not home. Mm-hmm. And if I say something, like right now, the person that it gets let out on is my mom Mm -hmm. and that's like and I've like discussed that with my mom like all these people are coming to my mom like she's doing this she's doing that and then my mom's like okay so then tell her do something about it come over talk to her I'm tired of being the only one doing this like she's being the punching bag right right. and it's it's ruining her and it sucks that I'm experiencing that on this side and that I can't do anything really much about it right now but it's something is going to get done sooner or later, whether it's from me, my older brother, or definitely trying. Mm-hmm. I respect that. At least you're trying. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to go back to just for a little bit. You said that you did not want to be the popular person on campus. Like, you are a very likable individual. Thank um, you. That being said, like... It's hard to, like, it's your personality. It's who you are as a person. It's hard for you not to be that person. Like, is that something that you dislike? Is that you can't stop yourself from being outgoing? Or it's just, like, a, kind of like a gift and a curse in the sense of, like, I'm going to be myself. I don't need all this attention, but, it's, but eventually it's going to come to me whether I like it or not. Is that the way you feel about it? Exactly the way. It is a gift and a curse. Because obviously I'm not going to change myself. And if I do change myself, it's because I want to change myself. Not because everybody else wants me to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't need attention. I'm a big person who doesn't need validation. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what people think. And I think I think that way because I've grown up bullied. And it took me a while to learn that words mean legitimately nothing. 
Like words were only made to communicate. So therefore, we don't even need it. It was like man-made. Uh-huh. That's a social so, construct. Yes. Um, and so for someone to put so much weight on words is like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you let one word tear down your entire world? Mm-hmm. Um, so being like having this outgoing personality, like I said, like everybody knows you. And the I just feel like the minute I do something wrong, mm-hmm. it just becomes this big uproar. Not that I care what people say because I don't because of how much of pain I've already been through, mm-hmm. but. Like, it, it just, I guess, would be build irritation because it's like, at the end of the day, like, how about you just mind your business? But I just don't like the feeling that I'm always being watched and that I always have to, I'm not going to say good, but I should probably not do certain things to be judged. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, obviously, I'm not, my personality is not going to change. But uh, I would like for people not to... Give me that attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's unnecessary. Yeah. My gosh. Um, and when you say you were bullied, was it just like you were doing like cheer whenever you're in fifth grade over stuff like that? Was that usually what it was about? Yeah, mostly it was like you're gay, you're in cheer, um, and then it was like okay. I think when people started to find out that, um, I like it wasn't really offending me anymore. Um, they would like, oh, you're fat, your mom's fat. Like, the minute, I, it, even till today, if someone came up to me and said, your mom's this, I'm going to jail. Um, <laughs> like, you don't even know her. Um, but I, yeah, I was bullied with everything, anything. I think people were just trying to tear me down. And I think it, in seventh grade, I received a message uh, from someone in the school that I really never talked to and basically was like you do too much like why are you trying to be an attention whore and all these other things and I was like I literally do nothing I just somehow become this thing like some people talk about me people who are famous is because people have haters mm-hmm. because those haters keep your, their names in their mouths and keep it rolling let me tell you that um and so being bullied has taught me a lot of life lessons and I definitely wouldn't change it mm-hmm. because then maybe I wouldn't be as wise or as hard skinned as I am now I gotcha like whenever you were younger it did have an effect on you you think oh yeah I was in constant fights really left and right constant fights um, depressed um, there was times I was admitted to a mental hospital for six days for cutting myself. Um, I did it. I was cutting myself for two years uh-huh. um, until my mom found out that I tried to OD on pills. Um, I tried to jump off the highest part of this really tall playground. I was probably like the same height of like the third floor of the apartment. I jumped off trying to break my arm. Um, Just a lot of these things, like, I just was not happy in the world because of how much people have teared me down. And I think it's just because when I would say something in school, 
um, they would just be like, okay, I didn't see it happen, so I don't know. You know, like, nothing was ever taught about. But the minute I take it into my own hands, because I'm never the person to throw the first punch. I was always raised that way. But sometimes, like, you're just filled with so much anger because it just keeps on bottling up and no one's helping you. Mm-hmm. And I have my mom calling the school left and right saying, my son is being bullied, do something, and no one's still helping me. Sometimes that kid does need to get glocked. And so I found out that the only way for things to be settled was fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, who used to live with me at, at that stage, was like, has always told us basically, like, if you lose a fight, I'm going to beat you. Wow. Um, so we were always like taught um, to fight hard. Um, it takes it takes a lot of me to fight someone. Like, it is the very last resort to put a hand on someone. But if I'm at that point, that means there's a lot of anger in me, and it's really hard to stop me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that's how me and both my brothers are. Um, I think all of our fights, or at least most of our fights, we've been with one another, and we're like the only people that can stop us. Like when me and my older brother got into a fight in our house. My grandma called the cops because my mom, my, my step-grandfather, my grandma, and our godmother couldn't hold us down. And it's because we have so much anger that we don't care who's around us. Mm-hmm. We will throw hands. Um, and that is just like an anger issue, I guess, all three of us has. But I think it also deals with how we were raised for my father mm-hmm. on don't lose. Whatever you got to do, just don't lose. Um, with that being said, I never lost a fight. There's definitely, I've been charged with two battery assaults. Um, for one kid, I definitely thought I was going to go to jail for it. Really? Um, yeah, I never got caught because it happened in the bathroom. They really couldn't say because three other students had also walked into the bathroom when um, I got into the fight, but... Um, it was a really bad fight, and I kind of just left him on the floor bleeding out. And Party time. Yeah. Not saying that I'm happy about it, but like, if it, like I said, if it gets that way, it's, it's really bad. And it's, that's not me, and I don't wish anybody around me sees that part mm-hmm. at all. Um, I get irritated. Everybody gets irritated and frustrated. But for me to be mad at that whole different story. When's the last time you got into a fight? Senior year. In high school? Yeah. It was junior year. Junior year. It was the kid I left in the bathroom. It was definitely junior year. That was the last one? Year. Yeah. I gotcha. Have you had to like stop yourself like since then? Like you felt like you were going to come close and you had to leave? Oh yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah. But like I said like I just left. Calm has down. That ever happened here, or was it always in back home? It has happened here. Okay. Mm, only once. Only once. Do I know the person? Yeah. Okay, that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't mind me asking, is your dad still in your life? Do you ever speak to him? No. So in first grade, I vividly remember. Um, we were taking my brother to football practice, mm-hmm. and usually I get left at home. Um, 
and my mom just drops him off, uh, comes back home. It was right down the street, like two minutes max. Um, but one day I was in the car, my mom and dad were in the front seat, and my dad was like, why is he here? And my mom was like, oh, he's going to cheer practice. And my dad was like, cheer practice, if my son becomes gay because of you, like, and I'm like, that, that's the only like section I just remember is if my son becomes gay because of you. Um, that like just really stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Not knowing, I don't think I actually like remembered if, what, if I knew what the word gay meant, but I don't know. Third grade, um, I realized that I wasn't getting any attention from my dad. Um, like the son is supposed to look up to the father figure for like strength and brave, braveness and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, stereotypically, obviously, but um, I was not receiving that. I was was never. My dad never came to a cheer competition, a game, anything. But I realized that he never missed a game for my older brother's basketball. And same as my little brother when he got old enough. So then I did basketball from third grade to eighth grade. Did he count those? Um, every single one. Wow. Bought me my shoes I needed for me. Um, paid for your personal training sessions. Hmm. Um, but even like once basketball season ended, I would go into cheer um, for that. And then I did soccer in the summer. Um, nothing. Um, I even been to like national competitions that I got bidded to for a team. Nothing, no recognition, no good job, no let me buy you your cheer shoes. Yeah, nothing. I never came to my eighth grade graduation. Um, the last time he has said happy birthday to me, um, let's take this year back because he said happy birthday to me, but it was a day late. Uh huh. Um, but if we if we do count that, then it was last year. If we don't count that, then the last time was in eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Yeah. Um, he texted me freshman year in October and said, when do you leave for college? Huh. I said, I'm already here. Been here for almost three months now. Thank you for caring, I guess. We don't talk. I haven't. Um, and I guess some of that, I guess, is on my fault because when I was in the mental hospital, um, I do think my suicidal, my suicidal ideations was not him loving me because I was being treated than my two brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I came to the realization that I'm his firstborn, so my older brother has a different dad. Uh-huh. So I'm his firstborn, so I'm like, why is my dad showing more love to this kid that's not even his? Um, I know that's kind of harsh, but <laughs> just in the sense of my mental state. Um, he came to visit me, and he just started crying. And I was, like, still mad at him, so I literally sat in the room, and I was like, are you going to sit here and cry, or are you going to talk? And he just kept on crying, so I just walked out of the room. Um, and I just think, like, and then after that, I would say, like, seventh grade, he gave my older brother his birthday present, and my brother's birthday is in April, mine's in December. Um, so in that past December, I didn't get anything from him, not for my birthday or Christmas, but my brothers did. And he was like, oh, I got you, it's something big. I had to wait for money to come in. But then waited all this time, and then my brother gets $100 for his birthday. 
And so like that day, I looked him dead in the eye and told him, I would love to enjoy and sit down and watch you burn in hell. So I'm like hoping like my harshness towards him would make him open up like, hey, you're really messing up as a dad. You should probably do something about it. Um, so that that happened, I think, like seventh or eighth grade, like I said. Um, nothing. So sophomore year, I replayed these things. I was like, okay, maybe I've been too harsh. So I opened up to him and told him everything I've been feeling on how he's been treating me. And he kind of like rebuked everything. Like, oh no, that's not how, that's not how you should have took it and all those other things. And I was like, okay, besides the fact this is how I felt, like you can't invalidate my feelings. Um, and so he talked about that, we talked about it, and I didn't seem like we were gonna do something. And then literally after that conversation, there was like no communication. And still to this day, there's no communication. So I really don't really care for him, to be honest, only because like he's never treated me as his son. Um, but he has like been texting me recently, like like I said, so he texted me the day after my birthday and wished me a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. I didn't respond. He didn't text me for Christmas or New Year's Eve. And like, he just texted me like last month about my he has another kid who's my half brother. Uh-huh. Um, and texted me about him. But I didn't respond again because I don't know. I think he will, he's now looking for my attention because maybe he thinks I'm going to be something and he wants to be a part of that journey. And I think I've me opening him up sophomore year was his chance to get on board. And he didn't take it. And he had all the way through high school to yeah. fix it. And now that I'm in college, being successful, he wants to be part of my life. And he no longer gets that opportunity. It's life, and I would definitely say everything I learned, whether it's taking responsibility, ownership, being strong in situations, has definitely came from my mom, mm-hmm. 110%. And I think me and all of my brothers would say it's our mom, that our dad has never played that much of a factor in any of our lives to the point where we take something from him. Maybe like basketball, but that's because he put all of his money into basketball. Is there a reason why you think he did that? No, I don't know. I don't think I really have a care for it now. Maybe earlier, if I was asked that question, I would go seek the answer, but... That seems pretty abstract. But, oh well. So, would you say your mom's just been your role model growing up? Or? Yeah. Definitely, like, the number one person I look up to. She's my best friend. I tell her everything. Literally everything. Um, so she's there 24 7. I respect that. Family is important. It is. All right. Well, you have a thing or two, so I have to ask you the serious questions. Yeah. All right. We got about 15 minutes left, but this should probably take about five. Uh, either that or you know, because this is the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. All right. <laughs> I ask this to every person that comes on. Jordan, in your pursuit of happiness, your day-to-day life, like, throughout time, your angle, what do you think makes you happy? 
Boom shakalaka. So, what makes me happy? To be genuinely happy, is that even a thing? I feel like it. I do as well, but what does it? I think what makes me happy is taking on what I've experienced in life and what I've been through and giving all of my advice to others and seeing them do well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to have people trust me enough to confide in me. Um, that what makes me happy. And like my family confides in me and I give them advice so much that I actually have a tattoo on my back from Galatians 6.4. Um, long story short, it just says, if your instructor gives you the good word and you go out and use the good word, you should come back and tell your instructor on how good it was. Um, and that just like keeps me in check. Like, Am I giving you good information? Is it working for you? If not, let me know so I can maybe tweak it or let that know like, hey, this person experienced something different. So people are given more of a scene. But okay. for me to be generally happy is to have people trust me. And I think trust is the main key in my life on what keeps me with people throughout my life. I respect that answer. I don't think anybody's ever said that one before. But you're a unique individual. Thank you. <laughs> Did you have a good time? Amazing. Spectacular, actually. I'm going to have to have you back on the show because we didn't touch on things that I wanted to talk to you about, but you're on a time crunch. Are you okay with that? Of course. Okay. Is there anything we have about... Yeah, it's one thirty-one. you need to be somewhere at 2. Is there anything that you want to talk about briefly that we didn't talk about right now? Or are you willing to wait till next time? What do you want to accomplish right now, Jackson? What do I want to accomplish right now? Um, I have to pee really bad, but that's besides the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'm trying to... I'll tell a brief anecdote, I guess. Me and Jordan became friends back... It was last year... I've seen you around campus. Me and you spoke maybe one or two times, but we didn't really get to know each other. And we got to know each other because Jordan became my sweet mate in college. I originally had two uh, people in the suite next to us. One of them, Luigi, he's been on the podcast, and another guy, Justin. You replaced Justin, and that's how we got to know each other. We started talking to each other. And me and Jordan became pretty good friends because of that. And I can tell you many times it'll be Saturday morning or something, I'll hear Jordan sing musicals in the back. <laughs> it was definitely very interesting to hear. It, it sounds good. Um, spent a lot of time in the lounge. And one of the saddest things that college has done for me is whenever we all had to move out. And just those last like week, last two weeks, like... I would see you walk by, you'd come in, you'd, I remember one night you stayed up late and I got Taco Bell with like eight other people <laughs> made in the lounge. Um, but we would talk and like the very last time we were in the lounge, like you said, I'm not going to see you play guitar in the lounge anymore. I was like, you're right. And I even cried whenever I played the last song in the lounge. I was like, damn, this place, it was the hub. It really was. And me and you became friends because we lived together and I'm extremely grateful for that. But it's just interesting to see how things come about. And 
you can never really plan on anything, it seems. You can try to do what you want to do, but, like, you got to deal with what life gives you. That is facts. Can't always make lemonade when lemons are given to you. True dad. <laughs> I guess that's the only thing that I'll say before. I, I don't know when we'll do this again, but I do want to do this again because I feel like there's a lot more to talk about. But uh, I'm extremely grateful for our friendship. I will tell you that. I think you're a great guy, and I think you are a good person to confide in, and I do trust you. So I hope that gives you some solace. It does. But we got past the hour mark. It's an hour and three minutes. Um, I'm going to probably tag you on Instagram, all that fun stuff. You okay with that? Yeah. I'm not on social media right now, but yeah. Oh, that's so nice. No, you can still tag me. Like, I, my, my stuff is still up. Okay. I just deleted it from my phone. That's it. All right. That's the next thing. Like, there was, I wanted to talk to you about being in a fraternity and all that stuff, too. I figured that had been good, but we were running short on time. But uh, for everybody that's listening, thank you. I've been trying to do this podcast more regularly. And so far, I've done a good job. I haven't uploaded the one I've done with my friend Nolan yet, but I will get there. Um, and I have another one for next week's schedule on Monday, too. So we're rocking and rolling in the free world. There you go. But, uh, Jordan, thank you for being on the podcast. Always. And for anybody listening, uh, I hope you enjoyed. It's going to be on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Tell your friends. I'll advertise, all that fun stuff. That costs money. A little strap for that right now, so I'll hold <laughs> off. But please, if you do anything, just pursue your own happiness. And I'll hopefully see you back next time.